Thanks for being here, everyone, on another gray <laughs> and slightly damp Sunday. For the past month or so, we've been having a series of talks on basics. You might call it our Back to Basics series. We've been talking a bit about posture, both posture on the cushion and our general posture here in the Zendo. How to sit, how to walk. We've also spent some time talking about the particular rules and regulations. It's a little too formal, but I think you understand what I mean. That there are certain things we bring into the Zendo and there are certain things we don't. We tend to leave a lot of the busyness and the noise and the things that are easily serving as distractions in our everyday lives out there. We just bring ourselves in here. And the talk this morning is a temporary close to this Back to Basics series. And it has as its focus a simple question. Why are we talking about all these things? Why are we talking about how to sit on the cushion? What to bring in, what to keep out? Why are we going over things like when you begin kinhin, you always start with the right foot. Or when you come into the zendo, you tend to cross the threshold with your left foot. Why are we talking about our forms and policies and procedures so much? And if you're looking for the answer to that question this morning, I'm going to disappoint you because I don't have it. You're not going to get it because there is no the answer with the definite article, a capital T-H-E, but I will give you a response to this question. And it begins by talking a bit about a Buddha field. This is something that's come up a lot in the last several weeks. It's something that we co-create when we come together on Sundays. We create this field to practice in. We call it a Buddha field. A field in which really anything is possible. There are no constraints on what it is that we can accomplish when we come together like this. And while we generally shy away from talking about a goal in our practice, we can ask why do we create a Buddha field in this way on Sunday mornings with all of the forms that I've alluded to and that we've spent the last month talking about? Is there an intention we're trying to actualize? Is there something we're trying to put into practice? Is there a reason behind all this? If all of that's too much for you, here's another question that you can work with. What are we doing here on Sundays and throughout the week? We come together, we create a Buddha field, but why? I'm going to give you a Japanese phrase. 
That's the start of a response. Jiju yu zamai. And once more with feeling. Jiju yu zamai. As I was preparing this talk this morning, I thought about whether or not to give you the literal translation of this phrase. I don't find it helpful at all. But I'll give it to you because you might be curious. And then I will ask you to forget all about it. Right. The literal translation of this phrase, Jiju Yu Zamai, is concentration of self-fulfillment. I don't know what this means. But let me instead offer you three things that I think capture the spirit behind this phrase. Three things that are pointing towards what it is that we're doing when we come together and create this particular kind of Buddha field. One expression that captures this spirit is we are coming here to live completely to wholeheartedly attend to our lives in every moment. Another way of trying to capture the spirit behind this phrase in words is saying that we are coming here to practice with everything we encounter, becoming one with that thing with our whole body and mind, dealing with it most thoroughly. And here's a third way of, again, capturing what I take to be the spirit behind this phrase in words. There's an expression that I take it most of us are familiar with, to kill two birds with one stone. I don't know why this is an expression. People seem to be proud when they say, I killed two birds with one stone today. I guess it has something to do with productivity or efficiency. I could use just one stone and kill one bird, but I got two of them when I flung it out there. Now that's really not our way. We don't kill any birds with any stones at least not intentionally. And Suzuki Roshi, at one point, being aware of this saying, this expression, said that's not our way either. Our way is just to kill one bird with one stone. Wholeheartedly, fully, completely engaging in a single act in this moment. One bird, one stone, that's it. When we come here on Sundays, we're not trying to increase our productivity in the workplace or elsewhere. We're not trying to become more efficient at doing various tasks, even many tasks at the same time. Multitasking, get rid of it. It actually can't be done according to scientific studies I have not read, but I have heard about. We come here we create a field in a certain way to practice with everything we encounter, becoming one with that thing and dealing with it most thoroughly. Jiju yu zamai.
to live completely in this moment. Because this moment, right here, right now, on this Sunday, this gray Sunday, this damp gray Sunday, is all that there is. Nothing else going on right now. Not here, anyways. I hear that yesterday someone got a crown on their head. That's cool. That's not happening now. (laughs) This is what's happening now. Struggling to stay awake, listening to me make bad jokes during a Dharma talk (laughs) on a gray, damp Sunday. This is all that there is, and yet we so often let it slip through our fingers or dismiss it as ordinary, as mundane, as not worth our time. This is just doing the dishes. I don't really have to pay attention right now. I can be thinking about whatever. Cleaning the litter box, which I have to do often now because I have two cats. I don't want to wholeheartedly engage with this. It stinks. I noticed when I came home from work yesterday, I walked into the living space downstairs, a distinct odor of urine was in the air. I was like, oh boy. And I quickly lit incense, so I did not have to deal with it most thoroughly. So many things that make up the entirety of our day we dismiss as not worthy of our complete engagement. Or maybe I shouldn't say we, maybe I should just speak for myself, because I don't know how it is that you behave when you're not here, but I know how I behave. And I don't always give my full attention to everything. But when we come here on Sundays and create this field together, we create a space in which we do attend wholeheartedly to what it is that we're doing. You may notice that when you come in on Sundays, the cushions are arranged in a particular way. All of the zabutans, these large square cushions that we sit on, are on a line. Arranging the cushions just so. All of the zafus, the round cushions that we sit on, you notice all of the handles face the center of the room. Just so. When you approach the altar to offer incense, you want the incense stick to be straight, to be upright in the way that we practice sitting and carrying ourselves forward out into the world. Just so. And the same goes for when we ring the bell during service or to start zazen. You don't want to whack it and startle everyone. You don't want to strike it so softly that nobody can hear it. Did the period start? Just so. Wholeheartedly present, waiting for the right moment. Strike. going to tell you something that you might find shocking. You can do this with every part of your life, not just here on Sundays. And you don't need bells and cushions to make it happen, but it might help. 
You don't need an altar, but maybe it helps. You can do this with everything. It requires, among other things, attending to the way in which we habitually perceive things, places, people, and activities. That's what gets in the way for me. Again, oh, this is just cleaning the litter box, taking out the trash, chopping an onion. I don't really need to pay attention when I do this. I use the phrase habitually perceive. Maybe that's not your cup of tea. So here are others. The way we interpret the world around us. What do I think about these cushions? I think they're pretty special. They allow for the kind of practice that all of us enjoy so much to take place on Sunday. What do I think about this altar? I judge, that's another word you could use, it to be a pretty beautiful, wonderful, sacred thing. Look at all the wonderful objects on it. Statue of the Buddha, an Avalokiteshvara, a kotsu, a teacher's stick, a wonderful flower arrangement, and so much more. But I don't view everything in this way. as something sacred, something special. I came home last night and one of my cats, Osni, was really in a mood. This kitten has been on a tear through everything in the living space. Up above where I sleep, there's a windowsill. I have a number of plants up there because it gets good light. And I have one very large pot that has a large red prayer plant in it. It's beautiful, it needs a bigger pot. And he figured out how to knock it over. And he knocked it over onto the bed. It's dirt on the bed. I catered an event yesterday at Woodward for 250 roller derby women. It was awesome. <laughs> so cool. Teenage me who would skateboard regularly and run through shopping centers from oversized security guards was like, this is amazing. <laughs> But I was tired when I got home. I just wanted to crawl in bed and what was there? Soil and a plant and a pot and a kitten up on the windowsill going. I did not want to bow in front of it. <laughs> did not want to prostrate myself, did not want to offer incense. Cause I judged that like this sucks. Got in the way of seeing the miracle that it was in that moment, come back to that. So if one thing that at least gets in my way of wholeheartedly engaging with the present moment is the way in which I interpret things around me, the way in which I judge ordinary objects, what can I do about it? I can think about all of these things differently. I can start to perceive them differently, interpret them differently, judge them differently. I can, if I choose, start to see them like the reflection of the moon in the water. 
or like the water in a mirage in the desert, like a mass of clouds in the sky, like the tracks of birds in the sky, like a sprout from a rotten seed, like a tortoise hair coat, What I would like for you to take away from this list of examples that I'm given, I've given is that things are not what you think they are. Things are not what you think they are. There's so much more and so much less. I have this tendency. I really like to identify things as particular kinds of things so that I can put them into boxes. And when I put them into boxes, I can organize the world in such a way that I'm able to make sense of it. That's a good thing. That's a bad thing. They go in these boxes. That's something I like. That's something I dislike. They go into these other boxes. And when I organize them in this way, I feel like I can control what's going on around me. I feel powerful sometimes too. And then I come home and see dirt all over my bed and then I don't feel powerful at all. But actually these things that I put into these boxes because I label them in certain ways are none of those things. They're a lot like masses of clouds in the sky. They're there, sort of, but they're fleeting. They have a kind of fuzziness to them. A moment later, they'll start dispersing and become wispy and maybe an hour later, they won't be there anymore at all. Or they're not at all what I think they are. You ever have that moment where you think something is a particular kind of thing and then you realize it's not at all that way? It's like a seed, a rotten seed, giving birth to something. Or my favorite, again, a tortoise hair coat. You have some idea of what this is, but it's not at all what you think it is. It's some weird, funky construction. Tortoises don't have hair. All that's around us, every little thing, is empty of all the ways in which we frequently try to pin it down. It's this in one moment, it's something else in the next. It was never what we thought it was to begin with. We just projected a lot onto it. When you come here and sit and practice on Sundays, you start to see that things can be anything. And you can sacralize everything. Case in point, this. What is this? It's just chunks of matter arranged in a particular way. Maybe it's not even that, but we give a special meaning to it. And in giving it that meaning, we can use it to practice being wholeheartedly here. You can do this with a litter box, with last night's dishes, with the laundry.
Sometimes, and I used to wonder about this a lot when I first started practicing seriously. Um, I wanted to know how I could take this practice that I was starting to see some value in, was starting to become important to me, and extend it into my everyday life. There was like a barrier around the cushions. And I wanted to know, how do I, how do I get it past that barrier? Well, there's never a wall there to begin with. I just created one. Because I only saw what was happening in this space or in spaces like this where we have bells and altars and incense as places where this kind of activity could happen. And it's not. It could happen everywhere. Just let go of your interpretations. Let go of your judgments, how you habitually perceive things. Because things can be anything. And again, you can sacralize, make sacred everything. I might even go so far as to say that everything is already sacred. I wish Daigen were here right now because he could correct my numbers, but I'm going to ballpark it. Millions of galaxies, hundreds of millions of galaxies, hundreds of billions of stars. And somehow you are here right now. You exist in this vast universe. And that is pretty incredible. Something else that's pretty incredible is the recognition that our practice is all-inclusive. There's nothing that we leave out. Dogen didn't write extended treatises on how to wash your face or how to clean your butt after you use the bathroom because he was bored. Or because he went to the publisher and said, your work's not long enough, you gotta add some stuff to fill in the pages. He recognized that what it is that we are doing in this wonderful space can be extended throughout our lives because there are no barriers and there is no separation because between what we do here and what you do out there. Between what happens for a few hours on Sunday and what happens for the rest of the day, what happens on the whole of Sunday and what happens throughout the rest of the week. This just makes you think that there is. And it's not the case. And the last thing I'll leave you with this morning is that this really is about practice. I know I've talked a lot about what you think and what you judge and what you interpret. And you can understand everything that I've said intellectually, but really, you need to practice. And whether that's washing dishes or sitting on the cushion, slowly you start to see that everything really is just like masses of clouds in the sky or the water in the mirage, and your hold on this habitual way of engaging with the world starts to loosen a little bit. A little bit. 
It's not really up here. It's here. And it's one of the things that's so incredibly wonderful about this religious practice. I'm not coming here asking you to really believe a whole lot. But engage wholeheartedly with your life as it is in this moment. To quote Suzuki Roshi again, we don't in Zen have one or two objects of worship. We simply give our full attention to what's right in front of us. What's right here.